This is the Dedicate Recruitment podcast series with Liz Nevitt, bringing you topical news and expert insight into the world of recruitment and employment within education from both private and public sectors. Hello and welcome. Today we'll be discussing the importance of HR within an organisation and how it's perceived within a business. And today our special guest is Kefi Colgan, a seasoned HR generalist. Kefi has 20 years HR management experience in various industries, including retail, IT, local government and consultancy. She currently splits her time between being a mother, an HR generalist for Canterbury Diocese, and collaborating with World War One historian Peter Barton, designing and facilitating bespoke training for senior managers. She's also a governor at her local primary school. Welcome, Kefi. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So give us a bit of background to your career in human resources up to the current day. So I have worked in human resources for about 20 years now. Um, um, I started um, working at an organisation called Capgemini Anson Young, which uh, I did a placement at as part of my degree. So I did an HR degree uh, at Greenwich University. And as part of that, I did a year out in industry working for a company called Capgemini Ernst & Young, which is an IT consultancy. And then when I finished my course, I went back and I did a broad, uh, a sort of a quite a varied breadth of HR work, including six months in a very intense recruitment department in-house and six months doing more uh, pay, benefits, reward, etc. Then I moved to get a job in central London at Sainsbury's Business Centre in Holborn doing um, a number of different project type HR roles, so putting in training rooms around the country, working in pay and benefits at, at, for Sainsbury's also, and then when I had my son, I decided to work closer to home, so I got a generalist HR role for Kent County Council. Yeah. I then had my daughter, there's a theme here in terms of uh, needing to take time away for a period of time, and I then got a job working for a, a friend of mine, actually, who runs a small organisation, small consultancy firm, dealing with uh, people issues for various smaller organisations. And now I work a couple of days a week for Canterbury Diocese doing generalist HR. And I also work alongside local historian Peter Barson, uh, designing and delivering bespoke leadership training uh, programme centred around learnings from the past. Mm. So, uh, and I'm a governor actually at my local school as well. So I do put a, a sort of broad portfolio of different things now. Absolutely, I think you've hit now on the head there. You've got a real broad spectrum of skills. So you've gone from large organisations, so top 100 listed companies, to you know your current role now, where you're also balancing work-life balance as well. Which leads me on to the role in human resources. It's a very fluid role. So how do you think it's perceived 10 years ago to now? I think the role changes depending on the organisation you're working in. So some organisations, and I guess I'm thinking mainly currently, have a more old-fashioned approach to HR. So HR gets involved in everything and looking after managers on a more day-to-day basis. But I think certainly the focus of HR, I think of it in terms of three sections, really. I think of it in terms of past, present and future. And mostly that's around the people that we're looking after, the people who work in organisations. That's what HR is about. It's about looking after people in organisations. And in the past, I think that our role, certainly what people were looking for out of organisations is a, is, is a, is a more longer-term employment. We, you know, the benefits that we offer were more, more longer-term, so defined benefit pension schemes, things like that. 
to, to where we are currently, which I think is about balance and people are looking for flexible working, people are looking for balance in their lives. We've been talking a bit uh, about the demands on people our age with elderly parents, for example, other caring responsibilities, various other things. And I think that we have to, you know, we need to be as HR professionals thinking about how we look after our workforce and what their needs are. And then that moves on to what it might look more like in the future, which is where there might be more creative roles. Um, technology means that a lot of the processes that we manage and technology will manage much of that for us. And therefore, we will need to think about how we entice more creative people, how, how we keep them, how we attract them, how we retain them. And I think that's HR's role is to, is to, to understand our, our people and understand how to, how to attract them and how to keep them. Yeah, I think that's a key thing as well with regards to attracting retain, retaining staff. And that's a big challenge in the market at the moment as well with regards to recruiting to have people invest in your organisation. But it's not just getting the right candidates, it's also giving a good perception of your organisation as well. Yeah, I think there's there's a there's a need to be honest, isn't there, about yeah. your organisation. And there's a need to not oversell the job and not oversell the organisation because um, you're then in a situation where you have a person that doesn't match the role mm -hmm. and and they, they won't stay, you know, they won't stay very long if, if, if it's not a cultural fit for them. And I think, again, that fits a bit with what I was saying about past, present and future in terms of what people's expectations are. You know, I think people are looking for different things out of their work life. They're looking for balance. They might be wanting to work for organisations for whom they have a cultural attachment or they have... Uh, organisations that have a social responsibility. I think I think people now are more interested in what their organisation stands for, yeah. and I think there's very little point in not being authentic about what it is, i.e. the job or the organisation, because it's just a waste of everybody's time and money yeah. recruiting somebody into the wrong job. And and it's also with regards to how you sell your organisation as well, and and how it's perceived by the candidates coming in. What we've you know, the Generation X's and the Y's and the Z's, they make a different kind of, they have their own expectations as well. And it's got to be able to, to fit that criteria. So having that in mind as well, do you think that's a new challenge for HR in that respect at all? Getting the right person into the right job. Oh, and also the generation that are coming through. I well. think the generation that are coming through now, definitely, it's going to be different. I just think that we need to be very creative about how we make an organisation attractive. And, you know, I'm not talking about beanbags and, and mm. free smoothies. Um, I'm just thinking about, you know, really what somebody does in their day to day. You know, how, how, how can we attract people? How can we enable people to do the things that they enjoy doing in their lives as well as being motivated and passionate about what they do yeah. and that might be about organizations really thinking about their, their social responsibility about their social footprint it might be about um, being more involved in charity events it might be whatever it is I think an organization needs to strip right back in terms of who do they want in their organization what, what sort of what sort of people are going to make their organization work well and then what do those people need how can we look after them best how can we how can we ensure that they come to work feeling motivated and looked after? And that is going to look different for different people. But I think certainly we are moving in terms of our workforce, in terms of us. So I put us in that bracket. I can't remember what meta we are, whether we're X or Y. Or, <laughs> I can't remember, but we're something. Yes, but we but I, I include yes. us firmly in the bracket of people who need more flexibility and need more balance around working schedules and mm -hmm. times and all those other things. 
uh, and I think that is only going to continue. You know, I know that there, there are a number of young people uh, who I've dealt with who, who don't have, don't believe that they need to be in one place at one time. They can access technology from anywhere at any time. So why do we need yep. to? Why do we need to work nine to five, which prohibits us managing more comfortably the other bits of our lives that that make it make it rounded for us and make it enjoyable for us? In the role uh, in human resources, do you feel it's now become much more of an extension of like the senior leadership team within an organisation? I well? really do. I, you know, I've worked for a number of different organisations from places that have a really big HR. So I'm thinking of Sainsbury's. You know, uh, an entire level of people who are all working in HR. So you've got colleagues, you've got people to talk to. So it's quite removed. Where, where my my most recent uh, experience, both consulting and currently, is absolutely that. Almost every decision that is made about people uh, seems to involve have an HR input, and I think that's really important. So it feels a bit like we're going full circle from where an HR manager would sit next to the next to the the line manager and be that daily daily support mm -hmm. to sort of much more devolved big slightly removed hr advice centers and that, that offer advice but perhaps aren't there at the cold face mm. and i think that's where the introduction of the hr business partner role has come in because actually people who are managing people daily and also trying to organize their teams in such a way to to improve productivity, etc., need that more hands-on support from somebody who understands their area of the business, understands their people, has some intimate knowledge of their teams, yep. and can help make those relationships run more smoothly, as opposed to coming in at the very end of the relationship when there's conflict, which is a real shame. No, so, absolutely, because mm. you've got that consistency, haven't you? They know you understand the team. You've got, and it's just kind of like a seamless relationship with the extensive team as well. As opposed to being brought in when things have got tricky. Yeah. You know, you're there making, helping make decisions and, 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 and helping managers. You know, uh, even at the point of recruitment, when you're looking at building teams, you know, very few people think about, you know, what sorts of different personalities do we want in this team? What sorts of different skill sets do we need in this team in order for this team in its, in its, in its whole form to operate and do really well. Yeah. Uh, usually we recruit people who are like us. Usually we recruit people who are like us and we steer away from people who aren't like us. And actually that's not what makes team that's not what makes teams work. You mm. know, what makes teams work is having the, the thinking person, the, the doing person, the you know, the all of those different personality types yes. in, in one place, all contributing in their own way. It's a proactive method, isn't it? And mm. relationship again, not reactive and like you say then you have that trust with your team as well so it makes it far easier i imagine when you've got any conflict or even just resolving um those sorts of situations i think so and i think the more the more involved you are um you know i mean it's quite a, it's quite a big ask of hr professionals to understand every single element of every single bit of an enormous business to be able to offer advice that has integrity and context and I know you know broadly people's behavior is the same and obviously employment law is, is, is the same mm -hmm. certainly in this country in, in, in most organizations but to really make good and helpful decisions about the way teams work and how to get the best out of your people you have to have the knowledge and you have to to, to have that knowledge I think you need to be there you need to be there and you need to be involved yeah so when you're mm -hmm. working for example Sainsbury's and you're in your role with regards to needing support on elements that you're dealing with, where did your support come from? Did it come from your manager or also extensive 
organisations, for example, the CIPD or where would you go? Yeah, I mean, I when you, I think when you work in a larger organisation like Sainsbury's, you have you have a number of professional colleagues around you to to, to chew the cud with in terms of tricky things that came up. KCC is probably a better example of that in terms of doing a more generous role casework. Uh, things where things would come up and things, you know, tricky decisions to be made and you have to make a judgment call. Mm. That's really helpful to have to have colleagues. Uh, currently, that, that where there's only me and one other, I'm probably more likely to refer to CIPD. Uh, I've used Expert HR in the past and, and at the moment I tend to use Krona. So I tend to use professional sort of subscription uh, bodies to go and get information. Um, and talking to lawyers, actually, I tend to do quite a bit. So when, when when I'm dealing with situations that are very tricky, yeah, um, I would most likely speak to speak to uh, lawyers and, and really understand the position. Yeah, as comfortably as I can. Yeah, that's mm. a, that's not something I'd have, I'd have thought of before. So it's yeah, so well, I as, especially I guess when it comes to casework, so some of the less mm. less sort of sexy stuff, if you like, <laughs> uh, dealing with with conflicts, it is quite helpful to. To, to make sure that you're really comfortable with your with your legal position, yeah. and then obviously yeah, the difficult conversations and all of them are down to you to manage. But if you you're very comfortable with with what the legal position is, that's very helpful. Yeah, no, that's good. That's yeah. good to know. So in your um, so where human resources is now as a role? I think there's always a bit of resistance to HR. Mm-hmm. I think that we are probably perceived to be, you know, legislators and blockers, perhaps, to particularly to line managers in smaller organisations and larger, actually. I think, you know, because we are trying to ensure that people do things correctly and fairly, and I think that, that there is a perception that we're you know, acting like mum, if you like, or parent. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think that that necessarily changes. I think that the larger the organisation and the larger the HR department, the, the, the more removed you are. But I don't think that necessarily means that the perception of how you're seen is changing. Yeah. I think, for me, interestingly, working for smaller organisations is, is really interesting because, you know, they have, they have no sort of HR input usually and you can get much more involved in a much broader spectrum of, of, of activities yeah. and incentives and, you know, like I talked to, touched upon about, you know, uh, how you recruit, uh, looking at, at team dynamics, looking at how you train, and all those other things. So the sort of more, you know, for me, the more interesting end of stuff, really. So they're the elements that you like about HR? Well, I think for me, the, the bits that are interesting is the bits that make things better and run more efficiently and more smoothly and have most impact. I think the reality of HR is dealing with the conflict at the end of a relationship, which is unfortunate. And those are both very, from a, on a personal point of view, one is, uh, one is fun, one is less fun. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> that's inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> the highs and lows of HR. The high, but, absolutely. Yeah, but like you say, it's not a straightforward. It's not a straightforward role, and you are there to support. Um, the You're team. there to support managers to manage, and mm. unfortunately, you know, well, realistically, you know, lots of people, as we know, this is an old time, you know, an, an old uh, concept that people are promoted into managerial positions because they're very good at what they do, but they may not necessarily have people management skills and. Part of our role is to help bring them up to a place where looking after people and managing people is part of their skill set as well. And that's how I see HR. I think it's our role to help people, help line managers, line manage well. Mm. In, in an ideal world, you, we wouldn't be needed because um, all managers would know how to manage well. 
and manage conflict quickly and smoothly uh, and, and, uh, and mediate and all those other things. But that just isn't, that just isn't the case. So. No, but that's the thing. You're dealing with human behaviour, aren't you? And we all have our strengths within our, our positions in our organisation. So human resources being able to um, read the situation better and putting those those kind of controls as well. To oh, I think absolutely. I think so. And I think the law, I always, with employment law, I, I have a bit of a, a, a motto, a mantra, if you like, which is if you're treating people fairly, then the likelihood is you're treating them within the law. Because mm. if you, we, we know when we're treating people fairly and, mm. and, and doing the right thing. And the law is there to, to make sure that that happens. Um, and most organisations want to treat their people fairly. After all, that's what makes them stay yep. and it's what makes them motivated to do a good job for us um, but sometimes we just need help with that setting that straight yeah I was going to ask you as well sort of going back to a point about technology mm. what's your kind of stand on video interviewing as in for example if you were recruiting externally this is where my recruitment comes in but if you were to receive sort of video um, of talking heads or candidates for a one-minute speak rather than a CV. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, I don't have any objection to that. I think that um, it's an interesting one, isn't it? That's, that's, that has lots of different facets, I suppose. So lots of organisations, certainly the organisation I work for currently, one of the organisations I work for currently has an application form. So they are less inclined to look at CVs anyway because the application form draws out exactly the information they want and it makes the shortlisting process much fairer, etc. Um, I think that a talking head CV is a fun concept. Uh, it gives you some insight into what the person, how the person comes across. But I guess that brings me to my next point, which is it also gives you insight into what the person looks like and Part of me worries that would we make some would people make judgments about that quickly mm -hmm. with some of those time old biases that we all carry with us and that we're all told to set to one side rightly so at an interview process for example you know we've 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 moved away from putting age and gender for example onto CVs yep. and there's no way of getting away from age and gender on a video so. Yeah, so there are. So my, my instinct is that's fun. That's that's an, an innovative idea. It gives you some insight into what the person looks like, and then my words change because I think, oh, it gives you insight into what the person looks like. And yes, how would we uh, make sure that we don't then make biased judgments about who who we may or may not interview? Mm. That would be my nervousness. I think yeah, I can see it takes away the fairness of that process, doesn't it? It takes away the fairness of the process because with best in the world, you are going to people make judgments, and that. You know, that's what we've tried to move away from. We've spent years trying to move away from that, rightly so. Mm. I think with digital technology, though, and everything evolving the way it is, it, that that will play a part. I think way. so, and I think certainly when you when you first started asking the question, I wondered if you were going to talk about obviously you know using technology for interviews in their entirety, and I have no problem with that at all. Mm. You know, going back to something that I we talked about earlier about flexibility and about balance. You know, I I'm you know. We probably all have situations in our life where we're travelling for three hours for half an hour meeting and then travelling home again, which, which is a, not a good use of anybody's time. And the idea that you can dial into to a meeting, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to dial into an interview. Mm. Um, I guess on a personal level, so if I were to be being interviewed via video conferencing, I would need to be 
you know, I definitely need to up my game in terms of being videoed and I don't even like FaceTiming particularly because I get distracted by my head in the corner. <laughs> so there are things like that, you know, I think we would have to all work on our comfort, our comfort with being on camera, for example. Mm. Um, but that's a personal preference. And again, I guess you, you know, you could argue that's a discriminatory in some ways, but it might be that we all start thinking differently about how we, how we give people the opportunity to enter into an interview or a discussion or a meeting. Yeah, and uh, yeah, things are constantly changing and it's going with that as well, but also it's got to be, it has to fit within the fairness of the process as well, so there is nothing. I think there's a couple of, there's, there's definitely two elements there, isn't there? Fairness of process and, uh, you know, moving moving in the same direction as everybody else. I yeah. Think. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. So what advice would you give somebody who's looking to take their first step into HR? Um, I was thinking about this and I think that HR is one of the very few jobs that are truly transferable, really. So people's behaviour is broadly the same, not that everybody behaves the same, what I mean is that the, the remit of behaviour is broadly the same and it is truly transferable uh, and therefore, but for me, it would be about really thinking carefully about what environment you want to work in, what sort of what sort of what, what are the cultural elements of a of an organisation that would appeal to you, and as we talked about a bit earlier, you know uh, the social conscience of the organisation. So, you know, it is one of those roles that you really can work in most industries in. So dip your toe in, you know, dip your toe mm. into lots of different industries, try them out, have a think about, you know, what what sorts of environments you'd like to work in, big, small types of industry, those kinds of things. And just find an environment that suits you, you know, find an environment where the leadership truly means something to you in terms of how you can do your role. Mm. And I think you'll 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 work in an environment you can thrive and add value to. That's really interesting. I think again it's a, a, a transferable skill it's very fluid and um, and there's a lot to be gained from it. It enables there? you to choose uh, about the industry you want to be in. Mm. Uh, and and obviously size of industry when it comes to HR, you know, size of industry, size of organisation, size size of the office that you work in physically, all those things will impact on how much how how involved you'll be in every single element. Um, so the difference between working for a smaller organisation where you're involved in HR in its entirety to working for a larger organisation where you maybe just be focusing on one element of HR, you know, have a think about where your skill sets lie and how involved you want to be and and you know and then your the environment that you want to work in will, will come out of that and what personal qualities do you think you would need to be an effective it's interesting HR isn't it yeah i think this is a really good question actually because i think that some of the skills that make you good at it perhaps are not necessarily the skills that make you enjoy it. So, for example, I always came out as a social worker or um, a counsellor when I did those. You know those things you used to do at school where you had to answer questions about your personality. Yeah. Um, and I think that probably having those human skills, listening skills, um, analytical thinking skills are probably things that make you good at the job. But I think they're probably also, um, given we're dealing with people, they're also the, the the things that make it harder for you to, to manage the internal conflict with your role. For example, when it comes to dealing with case management and mm. conflict and redundancies and things like that. 
so it's almost like you have to have two two personalities really you have to have the the, the human side which enables you to connect with people mm. and and gain trust with people uh, but you also have to uh, understand the, the the boundaries of your environment and what you're trying to achieve and you have to you know make sure that you do the best with the organization because that's I think old perceptions of HR is that you're looking after the people but I think really the reality of HR is that, that we're, we're helping the organization look after its people and that has that's two-pronged it's about the people and it's about the organization as well so no. it's getting the balance that's really good and really well put and like you say looking after the people and I think that's a, a huge element well Kepi thank you so much it's been a really insightful discussion thank so you for having me it's great to have you on the show and thank you for listening podcast has been brought to you by Dedicate Recruitment, specialists in supplying education support staff in the Southeast. We'd love to hear from you. For comments or to connect, find us on social media. Thanks for listening.